Hello, beloveds, and welcome to Christian Emotional Recovery, a podcast for those who are survivors of childhood trauma, emotional neglect, and narcissistic abuse. This podcast is hosted by Rachel Leroy, a college professor and trauma survivor. Many of us spend years trying to heal and don't get anywhere. We don't always target the trauma itself, which is so often what keeps us stuck. This podcast is where faith meets science. Rachel is an emotional healing expert with 20 years of experience applying healing modalities that helped her start making progress after nothing else worked. She'll show you how to do the same. Each week, we'll cover a topic that will show you how to heal trauma for good. Please check out our website and show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com and join the Facebook community, Trauma Survivors Unite Christian Emotional Recovery. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 3 of Christian Emotional Recovery. I'm your host, Rachel Leroy, and it is wonderful to be back for Season 3. As always, I feel so blessed to be able to go on this journey with you and to do this podcast for you. I am here to help you learn about how to heal trauma, particularly childhood trauma, childhood emotional neglect, childhood emotional abuse, and narcissistic abuse, and other forms of trauma as well, as well as adverse childhood conditions. And I am also here to help you see how faith can meet science and how you can use both of them together to help you heal trauma. Even if you've tried things in the past and nothing has worked, I have strategies and methods that I believe will help you. And these methods that are often rooted in science and psychology and even unconventional modalities are, I believe, a gift from God. And if they're there, we should use discernment. But I also believe that as long as they're, they check out the discernment, we should use them and we should have an open mind about what we use. So welcome to a new season of the podcast. I've already put out a little bit about what's coming out in 2023 in terms of the podcast and the platform. I actually put something out called What Will It Be in 2023 to give you an update on the platform, the podcast, what I'm up to, and so forth and so on. So I won't bore you with those details here too much, but I'll give you some basics. If you haven't, just remember that not only is there a podcast here that you're listening to right now, But there's also a YouTube channel, and I want the YouTube channel to grow, and I want you to be able to benefit from what's on there, too, because there are things exclusive to the YouTube channel that you cannot get on the podcast. There are shorter lessons. There are more subject-based lessons about healing trauma and about healing abuse and about emotional recovery in general. So go check out the YouTube channel. Check it out on the show notes, every episode, whatever platform you're using, and also on the webpage, you should be able to see show notes. On the show notes, we'll give you more episode information and we'll tell you the resources that I used for each episode and also um, resources that I'm recommending based on the platform. So check out the YouTube channel. Click on that or you can just type in Christian Emotional Recovery and you should see the same logo that you see for the podcast and that would be the one that I put out and uh, you can subscribe there. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get updates when there's new episodes. You can check out the older um, videos as 
as well. And there's also some meditations. And I also put the podcast itself every time it comes out on the YouTube channel. So keep that in mind as well. And also keep in mind that we have a Facebook group that is growing steadily. And um, so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, there is community there. We like to share and support one another. And I also put out what are called Monday memes, which is just words of encouragement and memes that I create. And I put them on the page and on the um on the um, Facebook group. And if you haven't, this is more to support me, but um, if you haven't, if you could go to the Christian Emotional Recovery Facebook page, you can just type in Christian Emotional Recovery. You'll see a group, but you'll also, you can pick page um, and then go to the page and like that because I want to start doing some stuff more there. Um, As I told you in the other um, audio, if you listened to it, that came out a little bit a while ago, I am also opening a store. I've been working on building that. I'm a writing teacher, and so I have a lot of writing courses that I'm putting on there. But I will also house um, meditations, infographics, courses eventually, and um, different types of tools and resources that can help you in the store. And so um, if you haven't, check out the store. If it hasn't been put up yet, I, it will be if you're interested in writing. You might also check out that component of the store. And as I said in the last Um, audio. Also, keep in mind that I have um, two groups that have my writing students and um, customers, and then I also have the Christian Emotional Recovery ones. So um, I'm housing those in the same place because it costs more money to have two locations, and it's a lot more work. So I thank you for being patient. If you see those there, you might be interested in some of the self-development and um, writing courses that I have there, but you can check that out. I'll put all that in the show notes. If the store isn't open yet, it will be soon. Now, I do have the meditations up for sale that you can buy at any time on the store, and I'll link those below as well. The meditations are the Acorn Meditation for Healing Difficult Emotions. And check out the webpage as well. It's ChristianEmotionalRecovery.com, and I will also link that in the show notes as well. So let's go ahead and get started. Episode 3, Season 1, The first episode, we're going to talk about 12-step recovery and how it can help trauma and abuse. Now, most of us have heard of 12-step recovery for Alcoholics Anonymous and maybe other um, similar 12-steps program like um, uh, Gamblers Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous. There are several anonymouses. I don't know if that's a word. But um, what a lot of people don't know is that there's a lot of 12-step recovery programs that have followed the AA model, and um, some of those also include emotional recovery. So in this episode, I want to talk about some of those 12-step programs and you know, you can use the resources on the web pages. You can join in-person groups. You can join online and phone groups. Also, if you don't want to get involved with the communities, there are a lot of books and resources and articles and techniques and courses that you can take where you can go through these steps on your own, depending on the situation. So if you're in emotional recovery, I'm going to talk about four programs in particular And we're going to go through and talk about those. What are the 12 steps? How can the 12 steps help you in emotional recovery? We're going to talk about um, how some of this got started and how it can help you. Like, where did, how did this go from being like Alcoholics Anonymous to becoming something that was also involved in emotional recovery? And how does that impact you? How can that help you? And um, also discuss, discuss, 
a little bit about drug addiction, alcoholism, and similar um, isms that people struggle with and deal with. And we'll talk about that a little bit. And some of the parallels between chemical addictions and codependency. Now, keep in mind, I have I put these disclaimers out there partly because I have to, but also I believe in these disclaimers. One, I'm not a licensed professional. I am simply giving informational value that you can go and use to do research of your own. Two, if you have any kind of chemical addiction like alcohol or opioids or um, meth or marijuana, anything like that. I know there are people that use marijuana medically and recreationally and they're not addicted. Okay, I get that. People drink socially. It doesn't make them an alcoholic. But if you have or think you could even have a problem or if somebody you love has told you that they think you may have a problem and they've said it in love, please seek a professional's help, whether it's a counselor or a therapist or a doctor, but seek a licensed professional's help. Okay, don't try to do this alone. Go to a 12-step meeting. Get a sponsor if you have a chemical addiction. But just coming back to what we'll cover in the episode, um, we're going to talk about can I do these steps and use these resources on my own? And if you're in emotional recovery, the answer is yes. If you're um, suffering from a chemical dependency or other certain forms of addictions or recovery, for example, maybe a a life-threatening um emotional eating disorder or something like that, the answer is no, you need help. We all need help on this journey and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. I've struggled with certain things myself, but the answer is no, you can't do this on your own. But if you're in recovery emotionally and you have a good support system, then um, it's possible to do this on your own, but you can't do it completely on your own. I would still encourage you to seek the help of a support group or a licensed professional, a coach, a therapist, somebody who is licensed, experienced, and somebody who is trauma-informed. I always tell people there's nothing wrong with a pastoral counselor. There's nothing wrong with a Christian therapist. But if they start guilting you and telling you that you don't have enough faith or that you aren't trying hard enough or that um, you didn't pray enough, run the other way because that is not true. If you are trying your best to heal, trauma is a tricky business to heal from. It is hard to heal from trauma. So don't listen to that. You do need help on this journey, but you need to be careful where you get it from. Okay, so make sure it's somebody who is trauma-informed and a licensed, experienced professional. Okay, so that's what we'll cover in the episode. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. First, there are several different 12-step programs. The one that you're probably most familiar with is Alcoholics Anonymous. But I wanted to introduce you to three more and sort of connect the dots. How did these all get started? How can they help you? Um, First of all, there is Alcoholics Anonymous. I will put... So what I did is for each of these four... 12-step programs that I'm talking about, I put in their main webpage. I'll put those in the show notes, and I also put their 12 steps in the show notes so you can see how similar they all are. And they're all using, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe they're all using Alcoholics Anonymous, which I'll call AA, as a um, 
foundation as a model, if you will. So um, we'll talk about AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And can Alcoholics Anonymous help people who are in emotional recovery who have never been alcoholics? Actually, yes. There are people who have gone to the meetings and have supported friends who are recovering alcoholics. And they've actually found they benefited from the 12 steps themselves in a um, just based on addictions that they have, because we all have addictions. And the root of most addiction, I understand that not all addiction is emotional-based. I've heard people say that, and I don't believe that. I believe there are people that end up with terrible forms of cancer and terrible forms of, of um, autoimmune diseases and other forms of illness that cause them to have so much physical pain that existence is unbearable if they don't have certain kinds of medications. And sometimes the only thing strong enough is an opioid. And I'm not for or against opioids. I think it depends on the circumstances. And it's not my place to have an opinion about it anyway. I'm not an expert. And I suffer from certain kinds of pain. And I've had some debilitating pain with the nerve pain at certain points in my life. But I don't know what pain is compared to some people that I know and that I love. And I can't even imagine what they go through. And there are people that need higher levels of medication. And they're able to control um it so that they don't get an addiction. And there are actually people who have been denied their medication because they've overcorrected in trying to remedy the opioid epidemic. And I understand why they're trying to do it, but it's harmed people who have legitimate need for the medication and are not addicted. All that said, all that said, the opioid, um, the opioid issue is an epidemic. And, um, you know, like I said, there are people that can benefit from all of these programs. And so if you are suffering from an opioid addiction or a cigarette addiction or um, alcohol addiction or meth or heroin or cocaine or other forms of prescription medicines, um, even marijuana, even though it has benefits, and I take CBD gummies and they are a lifesaver. They are a lifesaver. Um, but you People can be addicted to anything. People can be addicted to television. I'll admit, I think everybody has some kind of addiction or probably 85 to 99% of the population is addicted to something. Some people are addicted to food. Some people are, some are, see, some are considered less harmful. Like if you binge on Netflix, that doesn't mean you're an addict. But if you do it all the time and you can't stop, yeah, video games or um, food. And stuff like that. If, if those are mild addictions, they can cause mild harm and not be so bad. But what happens if it becomes an obsession? Where do you draw the line? You know, I believe a lot of us have addictions. And then there are other addictions like some people are addicted to um, approval. That's what codependency is. Some people are addicted to conflict. They can't not stir up drama anywhere they go. And those are some of the people that we're working to work to um, avoid in some cases or try to live with them in ways that are bearable. Some other things that people can be addicted to. Excitement, um, um, adrenaline, sex, um, love, even good things. You can be addicted to good things. Love is good, but you... It, it becomes such a need that you can't not have it for any period of time. And um, that's why some people keep getting into toxic relationships. It's an addiction. Um, and some people can't stay out of conflict. It's an addiction. And that's also unconscious patterns arising. And that's why these 12-step programs can be so helpful. They're very clear. They're very straightforward. They're... Um, 
time-tested? Does that mean they're for everybody? No. But there also are a variety of them, and that's why I'm sharing these with you, because people can, the only way to know if something's going to work for you is to experiment with it and try it and give it a real chance and see. Um, Because like I said, there are, even within these programs, a lot of options you can do. You could take a course. You could join an in-person support group if there's one nearby. You could join a phone or a Zoom meeting that meets once a week or every other week or twice a week. Um, You could go to a church meeting in a church basement or wherever it might be. There's a lot of options there. You can read a book. You can uh, go through the steps yourself. And so there's tons of ways that you can do this. But I wanted to share with you first the um, four programs. The four that I'm going to go over are CODA, which is Codependence Anonymous, Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a recovery sort of umbrella for people that are in addiction and emotional recovery and other forms of recovery. Um, And that is a Christian-based one. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think it was partly founded at Saddleback Church. And I think that the um, Warrens had a lot to do with that, if you know the Warrens. Rick Warren and all them. I love um, a lot of the stuff that they do. It's There's some good stuff there, uh, especially since they lost their son to suicide. They've been very involved in the mental health community, and they've done a lot of beautiful stuff in honor of their son. And then um, the other two are Al-Anon, and Al-Anon is short for Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's a separate organization, and it's specifically for family members and friends and close people to alcoholics. However, not everybody in Al-Anon is necessarily struggling with somebody who has an addiction to alcohol. There are people in there in emotional recovery. There are people in there that have been in recovery so long that they joined Al-Anon themselves. And there are people in there that um, may have had a family member they never knew. For example, my grandfather was an alcoholic. And so I am the grandchild of an alcoholic. We're going to talk about how that can go that many generations down and impact the emotional functionality or cause dysfunction in a family. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. My grandfather now, I love him. God bless him. He's been gone for about 20 years now. He's been gone for 20 something years almost. And, um, but I never knew him as an alcoholic. He kicked it cold turkey when he was younger. And I am, I think that's awesome. But I don't think most people do things cold turkey. The reason I tell you this is because there are people like me who it's passed down by two generations and it still impacts the dynamics of a family that far down. And um, the people in Al-Anon are, there's people like that in Al-Anon. And then, of course, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the one that you are aware of. And there are people who suffer from other addictions in Alcoholics Anonymous, too, I believe. But there are specialized groups for people who are addicted to specific kinds of things. For example, there are ones for people that have a porn addiction. There are ones for people who have a gambling addiction. There are people... Um, ones for people who have uh, addictions to heroin or opioids or sex, or y- you know, you get what I'm saying. Just things that um, either are bad for you all around in some cases, or in other cases are only healthy in moderation, like gambling or alcohol or sex. But then if they get out of hand or if they're in the wrong or unhealthy context, they become a problem and they cause problems for the addictee, so to speak, and the people that they love. So that's what those programs are for. Now, a little bit about um, some background on 
These first, Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm not going to give you a whole history of Alcoholics Anonymous and all of these groups. If you want to read about those, you can definitely do that. But I don't want to bog you down in a bunch of boring information. It may not be boring, actually. Um, But Alcoholics Anonymous has been around for decades. And Alcoholics Anonymous was the model that started it all. And I just wanted to read a little bit about Alcoholics Anonymous And um, you can go to their website. I'm going to provide links to all of these organizations. Um, Have a problem with alcohol. There is a solution. AA has a simple program that works. It's based on one alcoholic helping another. Okay, so it's straightforward. And it's an international organization. And they have in-person groups. You can look up for groups on their website. They have online. I think they have online for AA. And it's based on having a sponsor and a mentor. And so if you want to help and you are a recovering alcoholic, then you might also, you already know all this stuff probably, and you might also sponsor somebody. So it's it's on that end as well. And then, um, but I just wanted to read the 12 steps that Alcoholics Anonymous has, because those, like I said, are the original 12 steps, and that's what all the others are based on, and they're very similar among all these different groups. So the 12 steps in Alcoholics Anonymous, and we'll talk about how these 12 steps, remember that there are books that you can go through. I've actually been through, um, I think, CODA. I went through one of their books and just some of the basics so I could learn about it. But you can go through the process and do this in a, over the course of a few weeks or a few months or whatever the case may be. Um, but the 12 steps in Alcoholics Anonymous are, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's what we do in recovery. Five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Now, some of these, like with alcoholism, I can understand why they say wrongs. I don't like to use that term for people who are abused as children, and then they're just suffering because of it. So just keep in mind, you know, is addiction a choice? I think sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. It's very complicated. Is it a disease? I believe it is. But I do believe that we have power to heal, even if it takes a few tries. Um, But back to number six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Again, these are based on mistakes that people have made. This is not for people in trauma recovery necessarily. Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings, made a list of all the persons we had harmed or wronged, and became willing to make amends to them all, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would it injure them or others, and I would argue ourselves. It's not that it was inconvenient, but would actually harm us. Number 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So this is things that narcissists will never do, right? Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, capitalized, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I will put a link to this in the um, show notes. Now, the second one that I wanted to just read their basic mission was um, 
was uh, CODA. And this is the one I really wanted to um, emphasize here because, and you don't have to consider yourself a codependent to be in this group, I don't think, because it can be anybody who's in emotional recovery for abuse, narcissistic abuse, emotional traumas, childhood emotional neglect, childhood abuse, or even if you had a good childhood and you experienced these as a young adult or an adult and it impacted your mind. All of those, I believe, are legitimate reasons to be in CODA. So CODA.org on their website, Codependence Anonymous, it says the only requirement for membership is a desire for healthy and loving relationship. And then it talks about um, what is codependency, what to expect, and all that on the website. And a few things it says, somewhere along the line, we learn to doubt our perception, discount our feelings, and overlook our needs. Sound familiar? We look to others to tell us what to think, feel, and behave. Other people supplied us with information about who we were and should be instead of ourselves and God. It became more, I just added that, it became more important to be compliant or avoidant rather than to be authentic. And we adopted rigid beliefs about what we, quote, should be. We believed that if we could just, quote, get it right, things would be okay. When we, quote, got it wrong, our sense of security and self-worth evaporated. And then it says you can learn more there. The Coda Republic... Um, the CODA Recovery Program, we find by working the steps and traditions, we find the strength that to be that which God intended, precious and free, with healthy, loving relationships. We find the promises coming true one day at a time. And that is what this podcast is all about. And then you can learn more there. It's got the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, the 12 promises, and the 12 service concepts. And you can read those, but I will read the 12 steps in just a second on this one because it's similar but a little bit different from AA. What to expect? Um, When you find your first meeting and walk through the door, you will find a safe place where all are welcome. And there is only one requirement to join, desire for a healthy and loving relationships. Your first meeting will introduce you to the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, the promises, and more. These are the foundations of our program, and you will become a great, you will find great comfort in them one day at a time as you walk the path of recovery from codependency. And then um, the 12 steps, now I'm not going to go through all the others, the traditions, the all that. You can read those. Um, promises and concepts are all on the same page. I will put a link to this page, and you can see the links to the other ones there, too, for CODA. And um, so this one, it says, We admitted we were powerless over others, that our lives had become unmanageable. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Admitted to God ourselves and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends for them all to them all, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others, and I would also argue ourselves. Again, I don't mean inconvenience or be scary. I mean harm, and there's a difference. Continued to take personal inventory 
and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry it out, and having a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to our codependents and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And that's CODA. And that one, I think, connects more with the platform here more than anything else. I also wanted to share one with you that is Christian-based specifically. These others have traditions and foundations in Christianity, but this one is specifically for Christians. And I've heard so many good things about it. Um, CelebrateRecovery.com. I'll put a link in it below. And... Um, it tells you a little bit on the website about what is Celebrate Recovery. It says it's a safe place to find community and freedom from issues that are controlling our life. Um, and it asks if Celebrate Recovery is for me or someone I know. So it says, living in a broken world, we all deal with life's hurts, hangups, and habits. No one has the ability, nor should they attempt to face their hurts on their own. Celebrate Recovery is a beautiful community of strugglers that courageously entered into this safe and beautiful space to get honest about our pain and the negative ways we may see ourselves, God, and others. In this process, we come to accept that some of the habits that we may have developed to escape our pain has caused destruction in our lives and those close to us. Celebrate Recovery is a biblically, biblically balanced approach to help bring sustainable recovery and healing to our hurts. It guides us towards new healthy truths and life-giving habits as we repair our broken relationships. Join the 7 million hurting people across the globe who, are, who now walk in freedom through the power of Jesus Christ as we walk through the eight principles of Celebrate Recovery based on the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. I love that. That's great. And then there's a place where you can read more. Um, but I wanted to read their 12 steps because they are a little different than the other two. Um, Celebrate Recovery, though, they have um, meetings all over the world. It's probably easier to find an in-person one for this one than CODA. Um, and if you are interested in something that is more specifically Christian-based, this would be it. And it just seems like a great organization from everything I can tell. Um, I've thought about joining some meetings and I've chickened out, but I honestly need to take the leap to and try it because there are some in my immediate area. And I'm in the middle of, I wouldn't say nowhere, I'm kind of in between nowhere and somewhere. <laughs> but so let's look at the 12 steps. Celebrate recovery, 12 steps in biblical comparisons. Now it includes scriptures, but I'm not going to go and read the scriptures themselves. I'll just read out what scriptures they're talking about. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors that our lives had become unmanageable. And it says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Romans 7, 18. Number two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians 2, 13. Number three, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 1. Number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Lamentations three forty. 
Number five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being that the exact nature of our wrongs. Therefore, to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.16a. Number six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James 4.10. Number seven, we humbly asked him to remove all our shortcomings. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends for them all. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Luke 6.31. Number nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Therefore, if offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Matthew five twenty three through 24. Number 10, we continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 1 Corinthians 12, 10-12. Number 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and power to carry them out. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16a. That is why I emphasize prayer, but also meditation. Number 12, having a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. Brothers, if someone is called in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Galatians 6, 1. So you see how any of these 12-step programs can be, be considered biblical, but Celebrate Recovery specifically stands on a Christian foundation, and I love that. And the last one I wanted to talk about was Al-Anon, and Al-Anon is um, for groups, um, family groups and stuff, for people who have family members who have suffered from addiction, particularly alcoholism. And one thing I wanted to talk about was when Alcoholics Anonymous got started and therapists were recommending it to their clients and they were working with um, alcoholics. They also started working with the families of alcoholics and started noticing a pattern in their behavior. And that pattern soon became identified as all the symptoms of codependency, and that's where the term codependency came in. And then um, what they found with Al-Anon is a place where a lot of the codependent work began, and then that's where codependency sort of spun off, and then a lot of the trauma recovery and the healing trauma recovery spun off from that. And I think that's really interesting, because, and that's why I'm talking about these 12-step programs, because it's all interconnected. And Al-Anon... Um, the page itself, al-anon.org, is um, the main page. I'll put it in the show notes. It says, do you feel there is no one who understands your problem? Who are Al-Anon members? Al-Anon members are people just like you who are worried about someone with a drinking problem. So it's very straightforward, and it's got all these resources on the page, teens, self-assessment quizzes, family members. And keep in mind, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a family member who's alive now 
that has an alcohol addiction. Um, I was impacted by the family line, just like a lot of people where maybe you had a grandparent and not a parent who was an alcoholic. So you can think about it. It does carry that far down the line. There's a lot of biblical um, evidence as well as scientific evidence that backs that up, that it's generational. You've probably all heard the term generational trauma, and that might be something to address in a future podcast as well, because um, it's all interconnected. All of it is. And Al-Anon, their website, though, it's got um, ones for teens, specifically geared towards teens. There's one also uh, geared just towards families in general. So you can look at their website, but their 12 steps. um, And basically, their 12 steps are the same, except it's geared towards family members of alcoholics and families who have been impacted by alcoholism directly or indirectly. So I won't read their 12 steps because I think you get the idea, but I will also link the Al-Anon 12 steps into there. And it's very similar to all the others. You notice how all of them are basically the same except modified a little bit, especially Celebrate Recoveries, where they include scripture and talk a little bit more about faith and about Christianity and about a relationship with God and Jesus. The reason that I wanted to share all this with you was so you understood where does a lot of this history of trauma recovery come from? How can you use these tools that are some of the first that came along and foundational tools to help you heal? I wanted you to know about these resources and how addiction is connected to trauma and to emotional recovery and how they're all interconnected. Um, because there are some very haunting parallels between chemical addiction and codependency. For example, um, okay, here, here's one way. Let, let me make this comparison. I um, There's a reason that I don't have any um, episodes or podcasts or resources myself that I've made or YouTube videos on addiction. And that is... I don't feel like I have enough qualified experience, even in a life experience kind of way, because that's what I'm basing a lot of the podcast on, right? Um, With addiction itself. Now, I have had family members that I love that have suffered from addictions and um, alcoholism, but not close family members where it's been enough where I feel like I can share this and I've never experience that myself. Do I have addictions? Yeah, I'm a little too much on the Netflix. And I'm a little too much on the food. I'm a little too much on the uh, slovenly laziness sometimes. Sometimes on the weekends, all I want to do is lay around. But that can be bad. Any kind of addiction can be bad, whether it's a food addiction or a, an eating disorder or um, even people with um, that suffer from um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, it's a sort of addiction. It's a fixation on details. So there's a lot of different kinds of addictions. And some of them are um, predisposed. Some of them are triggered by experiences. Some of them are um, things you pass down. Some of them are by family and you learned behaviors. And some of them are things you picked up along the way by making bad choices. And I think it's a combination of things we can help and things we can't help. And I'm not going to say whether you're responsible, it's your fault, or it's totally a disease and you can't help it at all. I think in some cases it can be either of those things, but in most cases I think it's a combination of those things. The root of most addictions is trauma and or emotional hurt. 
difficult emotions. The root of most of trauma, um, of most addictions, is trauma, whatever it is, whether it's what you might call a harmless addiction or a harmless addiction that's gotten out of control or an addiction that can literally kill you, like heroin or um, sex, random anonymous sex. So there's a lot of different kinds of addictions, but the whole point is, is that there's always a root in trauma. I believe most of the time there's a root in trauma to most addictions. And um, like I said, I know there are some exceptions for people that are in severe pain that get addicted to things like opioids just for life to be bearable. But even then, if it's not a choice, there's still an emotional component of trauma in it, even if the person couldn't help it. Does that make sense? Or a baby born with a chemical addiction because of their pregnant mother taking drugs in the womb, taking drugs while they were in the womb. So that's still rooted in trauma, right? Physical ongoing severe pain causes trauma and trauma can cause pain. So they're all interconnected. And that's why I love the Chinese medicine's take on it is that you don't have a body and a mind. You have a body mind. It's all interconnected. Your body, your mind, and your spirit, they're kind of separate, but they're also three things, kind of like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I don't know where to separate those things. I'm not going to get into a theological debate about it, but um, the fact is, is we're made in God's image, and those are the three parts of us that are kind of like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father is the mind. The Son is the body, and the Holy Ghost is the spirit or the soul, right? The parallels are, um, let's say that you're a recovering alcoholic. Maybe you are. And let's say that you know that there are certain environments and certain people that will put you back into the patterns of behavior that will increase the chances that you relapse and fall off the bandwagon. So what do you do in those situations? You avoid those people and you avoid those um, places. And in those peoples and places, you also have a support system where you keep company with people that actually distract you away from that, that help you heal the root causes of those things, and that help you to stay on the path to recovery and keep you accountable. Well, something that a lot of people don't realize is that if you're in trauma recovery and emotional recovery of any kind, it's exactly the same way. Sorry, my cat is um, enjoying her hard life of sleeping on the bed and bathing herself. But anyway, um, it's exactly the same way. And a lot of people don't see it that way. I think it is. Um, So when you're trying to overcome dysfunctional patterns, you're going to screw up. You're going to relapse. It's going to take 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 times before you finally get it where you don't keep relapsing. Maybe you still relapse every once in a while and you come back. You keep coming back. You come back. You come back. You come back. But if you go back into the environment where the trauma or the dysfunctional behavioral patterns were learned, and then you have people around you that increase that temptation and exhibit that behavior, especially if it was in childhood. That stuff is so ingrained. It's so hard to overcome it. It's so hard to learn new patterns, to reprogram your mind, but it can be done. It's hard work, but you can't do it alone. You need support. You also can't keep going back into the environment that puts you there in the first place. You can't keep keeping company with the people that taught you all that stuff 
I'm not talking about dishonoring your father and mother. It might be that you have to minimize contact. It might be that you need to be in recovery for a while and you're strong enough to go back in it. And some people, maybe they never are. Everything is so complex. I can't give you one right or wrong answer here. But I just want you to be aware that there is a parallel. If you start reading the literature about alcoholic addictions and recovery and temptations and sponsors and um, all the steps you need to take, there are the same for emotional recovery. Um, so for all of us whose families are a source of older patterns of addiction to trauma, um, behaviors and um, mindsets and somatic responses and triggers, we often have to go no contact. Not always, but we do. But if we can't or don't, or we're forced to go into these old environments and be around the sources of these old patterns, there are ways that you can help yourself to overcome those temptations, to not fall back into those old patterns. Or if you fall back into those old patterns, to not beat yourself up and to bounce back quickly and get back on the path. That's what it's all about. It's not, oh, I screwed up. Well, there goes all that work I've been doing for the last six months. No, there doesn't go all that work that you've been doing for the all, all the six months. It's still there. It's still valid. You fell. You screwed up. We all do it. You pick it back up and you try again and you continue where you left off. You start again. So it's not, you know, it sucks because if you're an alcoholic, nobody's going to, a recovering alcoholic, nobody's going to condemn you because you don't go in a bar. If you're a recovering alcoholic, the only people that are going to condemn you are your old friends that want you to be drinking because they're still in the gutter and they want you to be in the gutter with them. And, and so in those cases, you just don't keep company with those people and you go no contact. And if you can help one of them and pull them up, but you have to be very careful and you need to have been in recovery for a while. You get the idea. But the problem with trauma recovery, especially when it involves family patterns and generational trauma, is that most people can't and don't and won't go no contact with their entire family. It's not always possible. And it's, you know, not always healthy even. You know, and so it's comp more complicated because it's not like being, you know, people condemn you when you go into contact with your family. They're like, you don't talk to your parents. You don't talk to your own son. What's wrong with you? That kind of thing. And it's it's not fair because sometimes it's necessary to to recover. It's necessary. And then if you can't or you won't or you don't want to, it's really hard. But recovery, even when maintaining those relationships, is possible for some people in some circumstances. But only you and God can figure out and decide if that's true. And some people will say, well, how can you go no contact with your family no matter how dysfunctional they are? Isn't that unchristian? Well, look at it this way. If you have been, say, a codependent, you've probably enabled a lot of those people you love. You've probably enabled their habits of abuse. Not that it's your fault. It's not your fault. Okay? That's what you were taught. You've probably enabled maybe some of their addictions. Again, that's their choice, not your fault. But if you continue to enable their habits, they're never going to have a reason to come clean and to recover either. And so when you set an example and or refuse to go into those old patterns when you're around them and or go no contact, you're not enabling that behavior with them. And sometimes the best thing you can do is love somebody from a distance or love somebody with a little more of a boundary. Unfortunately, that is the reality sometimes. And that's okay. Um, 
So it's not like being around outsiders with the same patterns because you may be around other dysfunctional people, but they're not your brand of dysfunction, if that makes sense, in what you were raised on or what you've been around for years and years that you're addicted to. So you might even be able to be around other dysfunctional people or maybe you aren't. It just, you've got to test and see what it is for you. And then that will change over time. And if you're in recovery, it will get better. And in a sense, easier. It never gets easy. But it's being around the ones that are the roots of our trauma, our triggers, our weaknesses, our addictions, and our codependencies. And it's only through a recovery program or practice that you do consistently every day to reprogram your mind with a combination of these modalities and God's help and surrendering to Jesus Christ, to God, to some higher power, whatever you may believe. I believe in Jesus Christ and most people on this platform do, but surrender to your higher power in a way that allows you to, for them to help you in this process, because we can't do this alone. The solution to that are the major programs. It's not the only solution. All the stuff that I'm putting in this podcast, those are solutions. Somatic therapies, seeing a specialist, seeing a doctor, seeing a therapist, um, going through programs, doing courses, reading books, praying, meditating, um, journaling, all of those things. Overcoming the roots of your um, traumas and what caused those and understanding those. All of that, the body work, um, even stuff like um, art therapies and all the modalities that I've talked about, dance and music, and it just goes on and on. But CODA, Celebrate Recovery, Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous, all of those are healing modalities and healing programs that you can go through on your own, with a buddy, in a group in person, online, on the phone, with a sponsor, with books, with courses. There are just the resources on the websites, whatever you can do um, with a professional um, and so forth and so on at a church uh, or in a non-religious group. Whatever helps and helps to enhance your relationship with God and to heal But I just wanted you to know about these 12-step programs and that there's a lot more to them than you might realize and that even practicing them on your own and understanding the steps and seeing how can I do these and then expounding on them with the books and the courses and the articles and the resources and journaling about them and meditating and praying and talking, all of that stuff will help you heal the body work. Um... So, like I said, some people will ask, can I do these steps and use these resources on my own? Yes, you can, but it depends on the circumstances. I do strongly emphasize, though, that when you first start on the healing journey, especially if you have complex PTSD and trauma, please get help from a professional if it's possible. Um, you might just go talk to your pastor if you're um, you don't trust your pastor or you don't want them to know about this. You might. Another thing is you need to go to a church that's trauma informed, and um, if you're not affiliated with a church, talk to a therapist, talk to a friend who might be able to um, advise you to a resource. Reach out to um, go to a website 
There's a lot of places you can go. Reach out to a professional. If you have a chemical, sexual, gambling, porn, or similar addiction of any kind, or even if you think you do, though, those more like, you know, typical addictions, or I don't like to say typical, but the ones that people think of when they think of addiction, in those cases, you do not need to do this on your own. Please reach out to a professional. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just as we are, you come to him, you surrender to him. He will take you just as you are, and he will heal you with the help of these programs and modalities, but get help if you have any of those kinds of addictions. I'm not condemning you. It's nobody's place to condemn you, but you do have to take responsibility, just like with the healing stuff. It sucks. It's not fair, but it is the reality. So I can't recommend in the cases where you have addictions to like drugs and stuff to go on your own. However, if your trauma is what might be considered more moderate, if there is a such thing, or if you've been on the recovery path for a while and you're not addicted to a chemical substance or anything similarly harmful that could cause death or injury, you can probably do this on your own and use the steps, books, and resources on the site to work through a lot of these issues on your own. But no one can do all their healing on their own, I believe. At the end of the day, even with God's help, we need friends, therapists, group groups, family, and or professionals and friends to help us on this journey. And while there might be times when doing this alone is unavoidable because you've walked away from a toxic situation and you're lonely and there aren't a lot of friends available and all you have is God and maybe you even doubt sometimes if God is there, please don't live in a vacuum forever, okay? None of us was meant to walk this path alone. A good church can help as can these other resources. If you've had harm done to you at church, like I said, there's a lot of other, if you want to keep your faith, there's a lot of other groups out there that are faith-based that can help you with that. And if there's also ones that are not faith-based. So like I said, none of us was meant to walk this path alone for our whole life. Um, I understand if you've been wounded by some organizations and you don't feel safe. So start slowly, start slowly. But there are a lot of great organizations, both religious and non-religious, that can help. So don't give up. And then um, I'll put all the resources in the um, show notes. And this is the episode, the first episode of Christian Emotional Recovery. This is episode one of season three. And the episode is called 12-Step Recovery and How It Can Help Heal Trauma and Abuse. And so um, check out the resources in the show notes. Remember to go subscribe to the YouTube channel until more um, episodes drop. Hopefully the next episode will drop in about two weeks or so. And also check out the Christian Emotional Recovery Facebook group, the Christian Emotional Recovery YouTube channel, and the Christian Emotional Recovery store, which will be more... um, robust soon with more products and services. And I hope you'll check out some of my other stuff in my store too, if it's interesting to you. Um, But I appreciate you going on this journey with me. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and God loves you. And I'm so excited about a new season of Christian Emotional Recovery. Stay tuned for more soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Christian Emotional Recovery, hosted by Rachel Leroy. For links to this week's resources and to join the discussion, check out this episode's show notes 
at christianemotionalrecovery.com, where you can also find links to our YouTube channel and Facebook group. Join our email list and get other episodes and resources. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review the podcast and tell a friend who may benefit from this message. See you next time. And remember, beloveds, God loves you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made.